This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of February 26th. I'm your host, William Liu, joining me on the program. Uh, it's Vivek. Vivek, um, congrats on the win, man. Thanks, man. Much big United needed, fan. Big win. Yep. Shouts to Jesse Lingard. Shouts to Jesse Lingard and his ting. Shouts to Miss Froome. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's um, dropping the, the IG handle. <laughs> Uh, uh, man, it was just a Lukaku showing up in a big yes, game, man. Showing that's true. up against the top eight. I heard that's he did big. not score against um, top tier competition. This is this is the narrative I've been told. So this season, and I, I, I saw this like yesterday. Someone put up a stat um, versus the Premier League top eight minutes. He's at about nine hundred minutes against yeah. the top eight. 17 shots attempted, mm. zero points. Mm. And then I think he's got like one assist. But today, one goal, one assist. Yep. Man stepped up. One very nice goal and then one very nice assist. Both like yeah. generated from him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even a United supporter. Technically, I suppose I hate you guys, but. Um, no one does. Hey, man, Harsh took the L, so. Yo, okay. listen, Chelsea's in fifth. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Imagine being behind Tottenham. Like, mmm. Mm. Anyway, yeah, um, we'll see. Big win. With Tottenham, you never know till game thirty-eight is done. So <laughs> we, we know what's happening. <laughs> they're gonna finish like <laughs> they're not gonna have any trophies. It is what it is. But they'll, they'll be very proud of their third place finish. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. We're here for the Raptors. We're here for the Raptors. We're here for the Raptors. Um, you know the Raptors got back from the break. We had, like, you know, not the best game, for sure. A little bit of a letdown game, but not, like, necessarily anything to worry about. It was just, you know, the Bucks have played us tough, and we, we lost against the Bucks. Um First things first, what were your impressions from that game? Um, like, are you, are you worried about it? I mean, we talked before the show about, you know, the bench um, not really stepping up uh, mm-hmm. for the first time in a while, so... What were your impressions from that Bucks game? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to read too much into it just because it's the first game back from the All-Star break. And so one of the things that I found interesting was... So I was actually at the game, and 
most of the Bucks players were sort of saying, hey, this is a big game for us starting out of the gate against, you know, the number one team in the East. Mm-hmm. This is a good chance for us to build momentum. And you could see they sort of had that fire to get their, you know, post-break season uh, off on the right note. Um, and the first couple of quarters, Raptors didn't seem to have that same level of intensity. And, you know, so I, I think that's ultimately what killed them. There was that 14-1 to run that bridged the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third, and that's pretty much what did the Raptors in besides their cold shooting from the outside. Um, and besides that, it, yeah, like the Bucks bench outscored them 42 to 41, so it's the, it's the first time you've seen another team's bench actually match up with the Raptors' bench. Um, I don't know if you can expect Jason Terry to go 4 for 5 for 14 points every time they play each other. I hate that dude. <laughs> Yo, I hate him, man. I hate him. And then, and then you have Thon Maker, you know, Raptor Killer doing his thing as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just it's just one of those games, I guess. Um, and then the one of the things that I found interesting, so basically what I focused on, I was, uh, I was writing for North Pole Hoops for this, and um, the Bucks. Have been, were 24th in defense until uh, the coaching change, till Jason Kidd got fired. Yep. And in the 11 games since, they've been second in the league. And yep. sort of asked Casey and DeRozan, you know, if they've seen anything different before and after the game. And um, everyone seemed to be uh, saying the same thing, that, you know, they don't really see a difference, that they just see the same team. Um, and so... From watching the game, I feel like their basic principles are the same. They're still, you know, looking to trap, looking to protect the paint and, you know, rush out to shooters when they have to. Um, but it does seem like they're being just a little bit less aggressive. And so that's helping them. Um, I don't know if you saw the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they still like hedged and stuff, but I thought yeah. like, yeah, it wasn't as, it was like, um, I think Jason Kidd like played a strategy to an extreme such that like eventually the, the marginal benefits of being more aggressive were like mm-hmm. outweighed by the cost. So like even yeah. t- dialing that down like 20, 25% w- was like a big deal because that extra 25% led to a lot of situations. Like remember that like um, the last game the Raptors played against the Bucks, um, right before regulation, the Raptors were down three. And for some reason, they just randomly doubled Damar in the middle of the floor. And Damar's like, all right, cool. I'll just swing up to Kyle. He's going to hit an yeah. open three. We're going to go to overtime. Like, that yep. stuff. Like, if you cut out just a couple of those possessions, you know, like, yep. the Bucks defense is going to be a lot scarier. Because, like, individually, that, that 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 team, I mean, they don't really have rim protection, but they do have a lot of, you know, uh, athletes, and, and they're all over the floor, and they're long. So. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, look, Raptors the, still did hang, like, you know, what, 119 on them? Yeah, 110 in regulation. Yeah. And, you know, so the other thing, so I, I do think this second-best defense since the coaching chain is a bit, it, it changes a bit of fool's gold because uh, you know you look at the opponents too. It's bad. Um, of late, yeah, they played the, the Knicks, they played the Nets, they played the Magic, the Hawks. Um, Miami's obviously a good team, but they they play at a much slower pace. They grind it out, so you're gonna get low scores there. Um, so so I definitely don't think they're as good as you know as the second best defensive team would suggest. Um, and obviously, eleven games isn't. A significant sample size, either. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, I think I think if anything, it was a little disappointing that uh, they didn't really use JV, especially when you look at um, 
the game he had against them in Milwaukee and how useful he's been and the fact that there isn't really anyone in that on that team that can guard him. Um, but shouts to JV coming through in the clutch. Shouts to JV coming through in the clutch, man. That was a that was that was unbelievable. That's the culmination of JV's improvement. Is that he was <laughs> yeah. able to take the two dribbles there and get to the rim and finish against a guy who's like you know technically quicker than him. But um, yeah, I mean JV is going to be one advantage that we have over teams like that. Where you know if you are um, if the perimeter players can't get as many looks as as like you know they would typically want, then you got to balance out your scoring and. Depending on what happens, like if they're, uh, let's say they're trapping really hard, like you, you know, you have Surge as a pick and pop option. And I thought Surge played his role well. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't look great on defense down the stretch, but I think um, like part of that is skewed by the fact that Siakam had a, such a good game against Giannis. Yeah, uh, and even to a lesser degree, OG. But um, yeah, I mean Ibaka, like he, he can release pressure there. And then the other one is JV. Like JV's been rolling well. Like they, I feel like um, after. Kyle and DeMar, like, were both named All-Stars. They relinquished a bit of the offense. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't think that, co- I don't think that was a necessarily, um, a coincidence that JB also got going a little bit more when those two stepped back a little bit because, like, you know, you can trust them to make plays. And that was a big play by JB. Big play by mm-hmm. JB. But otherwise, our clutch plays, uh, continues to be a little bit concerning. Um, the Raptors are by point differential. Um, I think they're fifth in the first quarter, first in the second quarter, seventh in the third quarter, and first in the fourth quarter, actually. But the, f- the first in the fourth quarter is a bit misleading because, like, that's because our bench is so good that when we try to take, like, when games are done, we can't put in, like, Bruno or whatever and have a regular right. end of game scenario. We just have to continue yeah. killing teams because Fred Van Lee's still out there. But, when it yeah. comes to crunch time scenarios, Raptors are fifth worst in that rating, and the other four teams below them are like garbage teams, like you know the Hornets and the Mavericks and stuff. So, um, what's going on in the clutch, man? What's going on in the clutch? Like it feels like our offense isn't quite as fluid, not not nearly as fluid, and then weirdly enough, our defense is also not very good in the clutch. Yeah. So one of the things I feel like the Raptors haven't come to you know, a solution that they trust. So early on, there was a lot of the typical, you know, just get the ball to DeRozan and let him go to work. And then they sort of realized quickly that, you know, that's not really a good option down the stretch. And then, you know, they started to go into some actions where the ball starts off with, you know, DeLon Wright or some some other ball handler or, Mm -hmm. you know, just getting keeping it out of Lowry and DeRozan's hands to start. Um, But then you were seeing it sort of resolve in the same things. It was just, you know, starting out a bit differently. And so I think they're sort of in that middle ground of, you know, who do we trust? Who do we uh, allow to make plays? And hopefully something like, you know, JV sort of making a read by himself that, hey, uh, you know, maybe I'm supposed to have this handoff to Lowry here, but it's not there. I can go make a play by myself. Um, So I think the more, I think they've got to keep with, you know, those actions where they start off with the ball in other people's hands mm-hmm. and trust them to make reads because, yeah, it might result in some losses here down the stretch, but it'll make them better uh, for the postseason. And, again, you know, the clutch sample size is pretty small. Um, so, and, and I think the fact that 
you don't get a bunch of games together where you you are exposed to this, those scenarios where you can sort of develop habits that stick. Mm-hmm. The fact that they come, you know, once every seven, eight games, or like I, I don't even remember when's the last time uh, Raptors had a clutch scenario. It's because we kept blowing people up. The, the Heat game. Yeah. The Heat game. Yeah. And we yeah. weren't good in that one. That was only a clutch scenario because the Raptors like blew a big lead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, there, there's been. A couple of games where there's the, there have been you know positive uh, results like you know you brought up the uh, Milwaukee game from the past where the Rosen's getting doubled and he swings it over and uh, you know Lowry made a three once Van Fleet made a three once um, Ibaka got the ball wide open but then pulled a bit of a Patterson sort of didn't realize that he was so wide open um, so those those are the things that you want to see more of mm-hmm. and. So it's it's just a question of developing that consistency and hopefully um, you know the Raptors still have Boston to play uh, twice uh, they still have Cleveland to play twice so hopefully those type of games will get them more uh, you know adept at dealing with those scenarios before the playoffs. Yeah, um, I feel like well a couple of things here. I think yeah the small sample size uh, issue is something that could be there because like if you look at last season the Raptors approach in, in crunch time scenarios was pretty much give the ball to DeRozan um, mm-hmm. space the floor and then like play aggressive defense and like that's kind of what the Raptors are trying to do this year as well and last year they were very successful at it. they were like the third best team in the clutch um, right they DeRozan was really good I mean we can you can easily recall a lot of scenarios where DeMar hit a big shot um, you think of that Knicks game in, in MSG uh, beating the Wizards, um, the the Bulls game in overtime, like he had, he took it to Jimmy Butler and he had like forty plus. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples you can think of from last year, and the approach wasn't that different, but the results are not the same. And this year, I feel like Demar has been really good when he gets to the basket <clears> in crunch time. Like he's, I think he's shooting like sixty five percent. But right. the one thing is like in that right elbow area, which is like where he likes to go, he just hasn't been as money from there. And mm-hmm. so like well, I don't know what you can really do. The thing is, if you look at the crunch time offense, right, like, we can all accept that, like, yes, there's going to be less ball movement and stuff late in games, because, like, just realistically, there's just not going to be as much. You want to make sure you have controlled possessions. But the Raptors do slide. I think we're, like, like second last in assist percentage, and yeah. part of the reason is that DeMar has taken more shots in the, in the, in the clutch than all the other starters combined. Mm-hmm. Like, JV has 11 shots in the clutch, like, uh, and DeRozan has 81. Right, and, and right. the next closest one is like Kyle Lowry with 36, and I think that's part of the issue there is that like, you know, when you think of great clutch players, um, they're not just clutch on their own necessarily, even though that's where the credit gets you know uh, given. But like, y- if you think some of the clutchest players in the league, right, like um, James Harden, um, or if you think of like you know Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry or KD or even Kyrie, like a lot of them have. Players are playing off of um, in crunch time. Um, you know, like Harden. Yes, he's been crazy in isolation and stuff, but like he can always like involve actions with him and Chris Paul, and it's a really difficult situation because both of them are deadly. Or even like Kyrie. Like Kyrie gets to play with Al Horford, and as much as I want to slander Horford, like he's really good in a two-man game. It's really tough to involve a big and a small and to guard 
you know, Horford and Kyrie in a two-man game. And I think that opens up a lot of shots for Kyrie. And, you know, Steph and KD, we saw that many, many times with the Raptors. Like, pretty much both games the Raptors lost to Golden State was at the very end. Steph and KD ran pick and roll, and it was over. Um, the thing with the Raptors is that, like, Kyle Lowry has been really bad in crunch time. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's no one else really to take any pressure off Kyle, off DeMar. And so it's hard for them to play any type of two-man game at all when, like, you know, one of them is just not there. Like, Kyle hasn't really been there in crunch time. He's shooting, like, 4 of 18 from deep in crunch time. He's shooting, like, 30% overall. Um, and, you know, when you expect who's going to give you a big basket, it's it's pretty much just DeMar. So I, I do empathize with DeMar in that, in, that, in that perspective. And I don't know what it would take to get, you know, Kyle going a little bit more in crunch time, but... Um, He's he's just had a couple of bad performances like that like that jazz game for example like Kyle was making all sorts of weird and just bad plays I mean yeah um you know um, so. so what is one thing uh, that I feel like isn't run as often as it was you know last year or the year before that mm-hmm. is the one two pick and roll I feel Kyle's much more of sort of you know stay on you know the left side on the weak side. Um, as, you know, solely a shooter and be ready, uh, or, you know, be ready to shoot when that attention comes over. And DeMar is getting a lot of actions with either the four man or the five man, um, after, and, you know, whether it's DeLon handing it off to him or Fred Bambley. Um, so I feel like there's a bit more of that going on. Um, and, you know, I don't want to use fatigue as a factor, but last year, Lowry had the ball in his hands a ton. So when you're going to DeMar late, I don't, I don't know if DeMar was as fatigued. Um, but again, you know, his usage is just as much. So again, like, I don't know how much of a factor that is. Uh, but obviously DeMar has, has the ball in his hands a lot more this season. Kyle's playing off the ball a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, his touches are way down. Um, so those are little things that I, I, I don't know how much of a factor it is, but it, it is, it, it is definitely a different style of play and, you know, again, I don't want to read too much of it. The first game back from the All Star break, they didn't they didn't play they didn't play you know the way we've seen them play over the course of the seven game win streak or even you know for the majority of the season. So um, there, there's obviously a bit of that. So um, yeah, I, I guess we, I, I'd rather wait for you know for them to settle in over these next five six games and see how it is after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is a reactionary necessarily. Like, yes, there's a prompt, but, like, this has also been a season-long trend. It's just, like, how much we want to buy into these things. Because, like, you know, the, the worry with the with the Raptors is still, like, in these close games, what are they going to do? And I think one thing they're missing, um, I don't think they're missing P.J. Tucker and, like, the overall. Like, we, we've, give, we've gotten so many great performances from um, Siakam and OG uh, and, in, you know, bringing in CJ as well. That, like, we've kind of replaced PJ and, and Patterson in the aggregate. Um, but, like, especially in crunch time last year, like, the 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 type of plays that PJ would come up with were mm-hmm. very important, especially defensively. I think one of the things um, with the Raptors this year that w- isn't as good in crunch time is just the rebounding. Um, and part of that is because we closed a lot against the surge at center, which is fine. We did that last year as well. But we had a guy like PJ who was just, like, uh, a monster. Like, he would just go after things, and he would want it way more than anyone else. Yep. 
And he would come up with so many big rebounds down the stretch. Like that Bulls game, I think he came up with like eight rebounds or something like like down the stretch yeah, of the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah, he was getting every board. Um, yeah. And he would also hit a couple of corner threes or whatever. And, you know, look, again, this is going back to – it's a small sample. You miss like two or three shots and it changes your, you know, numbers and whatever uh, significantly and your impression significantly. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you know – the Raptors are kind of they're kind of small when they close out a lot of games, and when they close out games with Ibaka and JV together, then they're a little bit inflexible. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like the two of them are kind of um, are brittle, and they don't really move as quickly as you would like. And then if you take one of them off, then somehow they're you know they just doesn't it doesn't quite bridge the gap. Um, yeah. That someone like PJ did because PJ was you know um, both very strong and also very quick. Yeah, and I mean, you could see it sort of uh, in the overtime when the Bucks would keep going at the Rosen and the pick and roll, and now JV, yep. JV's having to pay so much attention to be ready to help. And those little things can throw off the defense so much, right? Mm-hmm. Where now you're not really paying attention to your man. You're so focused on the ball and making sure that the Rosen has his help if he needs it, um, and he probably will. And so that sort of hesitation that, you know, that sucks the defensive. That's all Giannis needs, and, you know, you give him a travel, too, and sort of game from there. That was a travel, bro. <laughs> the last two-minute report, I didn't see that. I don't, I don't, I mean, like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> he, like, it does a moonwalk before he, like, he actually shoots the ball. He, like, if you give someone four steps to do a step back, you're going to give a lot of separation. The thing yeah. is, he doesn't even need that much, man. Like, Lamar wasn't going to contest a shot that high. Like, his release point is way too high for anybody to contest, really. But, that um, play he made though, when the ball was like, for, like I don't know how that ball did not bounce out of bounds. For, yeah. For him to get to it and then find Jason Terry in the corner. Yeah, but how did Jason Terry even hit that shot? Kyle was all over him. Okay. So, <laughs> I might. Th- this might sound weird, but I'm kind of confused by what Kyle was trying to do on that play. Okay. Because I've, I've watched that replay like five times and. So when a guy's going out of bounds like that, yeah, it's pretty natural that you can you can estimate that there's only one thing that he can do from there, yeah, and it's try to make a pass, yeah. And Kyle is literally just like standing there, literally allowing the angle to make the pass to Terry, Mm. and then after the ball gets to Terry, it's like, okay, I got to defend the shot, and it's like if you just stood. Where you needed to stand, where at the only spot that he could have thrown the ball, <laughs> that ball yeah. doesn't even get to Terry. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, that is true. That was that was a bit strange. Yeah, it was a split second thing, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Still, Jason Terry. Um, yeah, that's the. Um, I mean, I'm. It's good that the Bucks have someone like that who's like, you know, can do all the right things and crunch. I thought Jason Terry overall had like a really great game. Very impactful. Like, pretty good on defense too. Um, and just like hyping up the team, like for a young team like that, I feel like having that type of veteran presence is is helpful. And again, going back to PJ, he's not even a guy that we've mentioned that much. Like maybe preseason was like, oh, we're gonna miss PJ, we're gonna miss PJ. But like throughout the season, we really haven't, right? But mm-hmm. it's just like in these small moments, you kind of do miss this dude. Um, and you know the type of leadership he would bring and, and stuff. Like you know, I kind of missed that a little bit because there's not that kind of voice. Yeah. And so like. We know the Raptors are in the market for uh, a buyout veteran guy, and they've been linked to a couple players now. Um, all the reporters are saying that, you know, the Raptors are interested. And there's no uh, immediate, you know, 
it's not a pressing need at the moment because um, in order mm-hmm. to be playoff eligible, if you're currently on an NBA contract, you need to be bought out by March 1st. So yep. that's still another week. Yeah. Um, but the you know so far a couple of names have already come out. Um, the Raptors are interested in Aaron Aflalo. Uh, they're, they've shown interest in Ursan Ilyasova. They had interest in Marco Bellinelli. Um, now I don't really know if this is necessarily legitimate because it could just be from agents. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty clear what the Raptors are trying to do. Uh, you know, they they made that trade at the deadline, that minor trade to to ship off Bruno. Which, by the way, like, um, have you been to the nine oh five since Bruno has left? And is it different? Uh, t- tonight will be my first game since Bruno has left. Yeah. Um, they will be wearing their Chinese New Year jerseys. Oh yes. Uh, and they'll be at the ACC. So. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a different vibe. I don't know how I'm going to feel about not seeing Bruno on the floor. I'm going to need Blake uh, to uh, hook me up with one of those jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, you you look at Jason Terry and the game he had, and that's... That's kind of what we want, right? Of, you, yeah, exactly. You, you can kind of see why the Raptors think um, having someone like that uh, that can just have that impact, you know, whether it's a two-minute stretch in a playoff game or whatever it might be, um, to just help the young guys, you know, mentally prepare or whatever it is. You can see why that they feel that the need is there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether Aflalo, uh helps address any of that, I, I'm not too sure about that. Um, <laughs> you got to really like Aflalo, and aflalo has got to change a lot about his game. Yeah. Uh, that man thinks and, he's Kobe. And yeah, I don't I don't know how people feel about Ilyasova. I've, I've seen I mean based on what I've seen on Raptors Twitter, uh, many people seem to like what he can bring, especially since you know he's more of a shooter than Siakam. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't I don't know if he'd be willing to join a team where at best he'd be looking at spot minutes because overall I think Siakam is the better player. Yeah, um, for sure. And so for me personally, I. If I, if I was looking at it from a size perspective, I'd rather go into the playoffs with the team they have right now mm-hmm. just because um, at the end of the day, it's all about evaluating what this team can do in the postseason. So as great as they played during the regular season with the change of style, I still want to see what they're capable of in the playoffs. I want to see you know who's hesitating in the playoffs, who's not, that kind of thing, and then evaluate going into the summer in terms of what the team really needs, but but I feel like you know if you get a veteran to step into those situations where um, you might be, where without him you might be forced to play someone else, uh, you're sort of you know masking the situation. You're sort of putting lipstick on a pig, and now you never know, right? So yeah, uh, so I'd rather find out now, mm-hmm. um, and and then I think it, it just it just makes the off season easier as well because you've got decisions to make um, with regards to Norman Powell, what you're going to do with him, keeping Van Fleet, you know that kind of thing, uh, how much you're offering Delon Wright. Uh, so so I'd rather fi- find out. I mean I think you'll find out either way, right? Like whoever we bring in is not going to be um, a surefire rotation piece. Like the rotation's already ten deep, and you're right. prob- you're probably not going to mess with the bench much. So. It's going to be like a guy like Jason Terry, who like most of the time doesn't play, um, just is you know a good presence in the locker room, um, hypes people up. 
Um, you know, and when yeah, well, I guess game, that's why prepared, I just don't right? get the Ilya Sova thing, right? Right, I agree, man. Here's the thing with Ilya Sova, right? Like, you look at him, you're like, all right, so he's a he's a stretch four, and he's mm-hmm. kind of mobile, and he takes a lot of charges and stuff. You're like, that's pretty good. The thing yeah. is, like, I, I, there's a there's the idea of Ilya Sova, and then there's what he actually is, and he always leaves you wanting more. You're always unsatisfied when you watch Ilya Sova, like, and I think that's why the man has like changed teams. Like, forever. He's always been on a cheap contract. He's always been moved around. Like, he played a couple years in Milwaukee, then Detroit, Orlando, OKC, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Like, that's all in the last three years. Yeah. Right? So, like, why did, why did these teams not want him? Why didn't um, why didn't uh, Philadelphia keep him? You know what I mean? Like, they needed a stretch four, and they, why did they trade him away? Or, like, why OKC could have kept him, too. Um, so... I don't know. I just don't think that he's necessarily the guy. I don't think he really... Bridges the gap necessarily. I think he's probably the most capable of all of them, though, which is which right. is cool. But like, I don't ultimately see him as the the guy you consistently play. I don't really see a follow as that either. But um, in terms of just the buyout market, like if you're if you're thinking about it, it's pretty much just extra insurance at some place. And the Raptors are mm-hmm. relatively deep, but they're very set at point guard. They're very set at shooting guard. They're pretty set at power forward. Uh, and they're very set at center. So the one position you're looking at is probably small forward. And, you know, you got OG who up and down, but like of late has not been, uh, and like has not been a factor on offense whatsoever. Um, okay. he, and then you have Norm who has just been down pretty much all year, although he had a couple of decent games when CJ was out of the lineup. And then you have CJ who is great 25% of the time and then 75% of the time, you just don't know what he's giving you, really, aside from, like, yeah. floor spacing. So, you know, that's probably the position you want to reinforce because the Raptors, like, they can move things around. They can play two point guards and put the Rosen at three. But, like, we've had, like, five years of evidence of this where, like, if you do that, your team is going to be small. And if you have JV as your center, like, there's a lot of places to attack defensively. And so all of a sudden you go from, like, a very good defensive club to – Suddenly, if you play that lineup in that way to overcompensate for the fact that you don't have a three that's consistent, then, you know, you start opening up problems elsewhere. So, you know, like I don't think anybody we're bringing in is going to be like a, a slam dunk situation where we're going to, like, it's going to plug a, a, a bunch of holes and he's going to be a starter or anything. But right. I still think on the wing, like a bigger wing is always what the Raptors need. Like literally all the time, that's all we ever mm-hmm. talk about. And I think this is yet another example. Like we need a bigger wing who can play two, like a 3-4 a situation and who can, you know, maybe hit a three and be a good vet and, and chill on the bench. Yeah. More than anything, I feel like CJ Miles' inconsistency is really hurt the team, right? Like you, you yeah. see those nights where he, you know, where he's doing what the Raptors expected when they signed him, and the Raptors have no issues. And, and then on the nights, like you know, you look at that stretch against Milwaukee where um, he had a couple of wide open threes and couldn't hit them. Then he has that turnover that leads to a Milwaukee fast break, and it was just a frustrating night for him. You could see it uh, in his face. Um, and yeah, so. Between OG and CJ, if you're not getting offense from them, I actually thought it was a, a little weird that for OG to put up zeros across the board, for CJ to, to struggle with a shot the way he did, for Norm to not get any minutes at all. Right. Um, that was that was an eye opener. I mean, 
if, if he can't get minutes in that situation, then when does he? You know what I mean? Um, right. So, so, so yeah. Uh, I think small forward. You know, as much as I agree with you about it being a weakness, if if you're not even willing to play Norm in sort of this scenario where OG is putting up nothing and CJ can't hit a shot, then who else are you going to play? Play right? Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe you get creative with someone like DeLon Wright. I feel like they don't really explore that enough, where DeLon Wright's a small forward. Right. But, like, still, it's not like DeLon Wright is some sort of slam dunk situation at small forward. No. Right. Um, yeah, Norm is... I mean... <laughs> Norm, I, I don't know what to say about Norm, man. Because he did have a couple of good games. Like, before the... Like, before the break, he had a couple good games. Like, that Minnesota game, he was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, I'm saying decent in terms of, like, the bar is, like, crazy low, right? He was decent yeah. at Minnesota game. He was okay in that Washington game. He only played, like, a – like, a, he he didn't play that much, but he did also didn't, like, force his offense as much. So, that's okay. The Portland game, I thought he was legitimately good. And then he just disappeared again. Like, mm-hmm. literally from the rotation, just, like, wiped off the face of the earth. Like – as if he doesn't exist. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. And, yeah. Get a win, guys. Let's, let's get a win. Let's get a win. We, like, cause, like, let's say you get a flaw. Like, let's say you get um, Ilya Slova. Like, where are you really going to play him, man? Are you going to play him over Siakam? Over Surge? Like, if you need a three, you're playing Surge anyway. And if you, like... So, I don't really see a situation where Ursan is played. Because between Siakam... And Surge, they've covered up all the responsibilities and all the scenarios in which you would ever play Ursa. So if if they were to sign Ilyasova, yeah, do, could you see scenarios where um, they almost play Siakam as a pseudo three? Like, say OG is struggling, Miles is struggling, you you have Siakam who can probably hold his own against a three, and you allow Ilyasova to guard the four. Hmm. No, because I think Siakam's help um, from like the f- the power four position right. is better for is better used there than from the three. Because mm-hmm. like what you want is like for Siakam to be involved as many defensive plays as possible. But if you play him at three, he's not involved in like screens and situations. Like if you if you have him at pick a, as a four and he's blowing up pick and rolls because you know fours and fives are usually the ones setting screens, then you have Siakam involved in more defensive possessions. I think that's. Still a net pot, like a net loss. Like you'd probably still rather have CJ with the bench than Ursan, right. especially since like CJ has the quick trigger kind of three, whereas Ursan has like a he's a decent three point shooter. It's just like it's a long shot. It does it takes a lot more time to wind up for his shot. No, yeah, no, I agree completely. But I just think based on the inconsistency that we've seen from CJ, mm-hmm. I, I think the Raptors might say, hey. I think we can probably see early on whether or not CJ has it tonight or not. And right. then on those nights that he doesn't in the playoffs, we can't just be sitting and hoping that he finds it late in the game. We're just going to go with, you know, with this guy that we've signed that might give us a bit more. Um, is there any underrated names? Maybe one that hasn't been mentioned um, that you might be uh, interested in that, that could be bought out? Because there's a lot of shitty teams around the league. <laughs> yeah, there are. I mean, uh, th- there's not really many that come to mind. I mean, the Ilias over one is one that I've sort of thought about. and uh, I know you've mentioned Tony Allen. 
Um, yeah, that was strictly for leadership because like he can't right. shoot at yeah. all, and the Raptors also largely can't shoot at all. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah, there? yeah. So, so that's the thing, right? So, Tony Allen, I, I think him and someone like Corey Brewer, I'd probably put in the same category because. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Corey Brewer. You wouldn't mind Corey Brewer? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's athletic enough. He, he can play defense. Uh, he's going to run the floor. He's got um, personality. He's not mean. Like, I, I kind of want a guy 50. with grit. You know what I mean? I mean, Corey could drop 50, too. So. But that is true. That's one of the, that's got to be the most <laughs> random 50-point game. Man. I know Terrence Ross is random, but at least Terrence Ross is a scorer. All Corey Brewer does is leak out in transition. Between him and Siakam, I mean, like, it's going to be like uh, the, the Wade LeBron Heat teams. What's going on with Luol Deng? Are the Lakers just going to sit with him? Yo, the Lakers are openly bantering about him, which is both pretty funny and also kind of like, dude, what do you what do you guys say? <laughs> you guys <laughs> signed him, man. Like, yeah, um, yeah, he's just chilling. He's not doing anything. He's just chilling. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess Luol Deng. But, I mean, it's hard to buy him out, right? Because he's got, like... 60 million or something like that on, on his yeah, contract. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah, that's a rough one. So, so that's the thing. It's slim pickings, right? So you've got Aflalo, you've got Ilyasova, you've got maybe Corey Brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like Lance Thomas. Like I don't. I, I Lance Thomas sucks, but like he like theoretically does some of the things that you need from that position, like a three-four type who is solid defensively and can maybe hit a shot. Yeah, and he can kind of handle the ball too. Yeah. Um, he's uh, so. Let's see if he's expiring. He is not. Wow, what? He's got. Yo, who's paying Lance Thomas seven point two million next year, and then another seven point six million? Never mind, he's not going to be bought up. <laughs> Yo, oh man, those contracts all look terrible. Yeah, so so that's the thing. Like in terms of the ROI, like I I rather just roll with. Raptors have, yeah. unless unless that guy is completely willing to say, hey, I know what this bench has been doing, um, if it, if I'm just sort of, you know, uh, a, a, you know, break glass in case of emergency kind of guy, I'm fine with that, then, you know, that, that's that's someone I'd be open to signing. But Jared Dudley? Man, stick to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> no, straight up, though, he's, he's just a Twitter guy, you're right. He's yeah. like a really fat CJ <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he talks a good game, but I, he has I, no I game at all, like none. Yeah. yeah. So, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just looking through like the, the the rosters that are specifically tanking, and it's just there's just not much out there. There just isn't. Like, the Kings have pretty much nobody, and we've already ruled out Vince, and like, you know, whatever. But like the the Memphis Grizzlies, they have terrible players. Like, ugh. Chicago has nobody. Atlanta has nobody. I guess Ursan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So. It's not a lot not, of wings out there. No. Yeah. Well, that's probably why we're linked to a Flalo. Beggars <laughs> exactly. can't be choosers, man. Exactly. Yeah. We just uh, we just gotta hope uh, OG comes through at some point. OG, come back to us, baby. Come back to us. Keep shooting that shot, but. Yeah, but the thing is, like, OG, like, literally never even touches the ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he, he, like, he already has, like, an obscenely low usage rate, which is fine. Like, you obviously don't want him to be a high usage player. He's your 50 guy, but, like, 
he's almost like Roberson level in terms of just how much he touches the ball and how much he's supposed to be impacting the offense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. OG had four touches total in that Bucks game. <laughs> four touches, my God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't know what his confidence level is at right now, right? Uh, like, I mean, yo, if you have four touches, you, you're not going to have much confidence if you only touch the no. ball four. Yo, Sean Kilpatrick touched it 11 times, man. Tony yeah, Snell had 12 touches. Is, early on in the season, you could you saw OG actually look to get involved more often. Yeah, that's true. You actually, you actually look for it. Like, he was happy having the ball in his hands. You know, actually being, in, like, every now and then you'd see him actually involved in a pick and roll uh-huh. as the ball handler. and. You know, it doesn't look like he's looking for those scenarios anymore. Uh, yeah. I think he's pretty happy staying away from the play right now. So that's another thing um, that I feel kind of goes both ways, where the guy's feeling good and he's happy to be more involved, but when you're not really feeling it, it. You almost feel like you're hurting the team if you do get involved. That's true. Okay. Um, we've talked to death, like the limited number of topics. Um, to us. Um, are we? Let's quickly look ahead to next week's games. Raptors play four games after uh, pretty much a pretty long break. Um, yes. On Monday they play the Detroit Pistons at home. That should be a win. Do you like the Pistons with Blake Griffin? I like Blake Griffin. I just don't think it really fits. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, once Reggie Jackson comes back, what they look like. Um, Worse? Because, yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Um, He's going to want the ball the a lot. Yeah, and so will Blake. So uh, that's going to be a tough one. And, you know, how, how many have they lost in a row? I, I don't think they've won in a little while. And the four games that they won uh, when he came over, I think all four came against teams on the second end of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Also, so, Blake Griffin is shooting 39%. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like Blake Griffin. I just, I just question the fit. I agree with you. Also, they played Dwight Bikes. <laughs> How are these random backup Raptors point guards in the league again? Like DJ Augustine is starting. Oh man, starting for a team. Who the Raptors Shots. play on Wednesday? <clears throat> Atlanta Magic. Shouts to who? Oh, no, I was going to say, shouts to all these, like, old names resurfacing. Like, the other day, someone had a tweet about because Philly's won, like, seven or eight straight now. Okay, um, yeah. And someone had a tweet of like, the last time Philly had a seven-game win streak. It was in, like, 2008 or 2009, and Theo Ratliff was on Yo. the team and played three minutes. I like Theo <laughs> Ratliff. I liked him. Good shot blocker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Orlando on Wednesday? Yeah. That's on the yeah. road, but that's a win. Yes, that is definitely a win. Um, yeah. Aaron Gordon's fun to watch, having a pretty good season outside of the injuries. Yeah. Um, Mario Hazonia has shown some signs of life. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah he's, like he's, he's doing the Terrence Ross impersonation. It, they must be thrilled. <laughs> Anytime you have two Terrence Rosses, that's, that's what you want. <laughs> um, their last game, their starters, yeah, they started DJ Augustine. Shelvin Mack played 18 minutes off the bench. Biombo, Fallo, Wesley Awundu, who I think is a rookie, Kem Birch, Rashad Vaughn, like, yikes. 
yeah, it's all about the Tankapalooza for them, man. Them, the Phoenix Suns. Oh my god, did you see the five second violation yesterday? No. What? <laughs> so, they had, they had a, oh my god, so they had a tie game. Yeah. With like 20 seconds left. And the ball. Uh-huh. On their home floor. And, uh, what's his name? Troy Daniels is inbounding the ball. And he, he, he has a five second violation. And then Portland gets the ball and Damian Lillard scores the game winner. <laughs> mm. Like that is, Yeah. It's a shameful franchise. The the Phoenix Suns are a shameful franchise. That's all all I really say about that. They're they're just they went from Steam Nash to this very quickly, very very quickly. I used to love watching that team. Makes me very mad to see them what they are today. But uh, yeah, there you go. So that's two wins yeah. right there. Uh, the Raptors then play the Washington Wizards on Friday. In Washington, which is, you know, the Washington Wizards had been annoying for the Raptors. They've won one. They've lost two. Um, hopefully they get revenge because last time they went to Washington, they lost a game, even though I felt like they were in control of that game until they kind of relinquished it when Bradley Beal went off for like 20-plus in the second half. But uh, John Wall's still out which is either a good or a bad thing. I'm not necessarily sure. I feel like this year John Wall has been very good for them. But, uh, both, yeah. both, both games the Raptors have lost have been without John Wall, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the offense works really nicely with Bradley Beal. Because <laughs> like, when Bradley Beal's aggressive, I mean, we don't have to tell the Raptors fans of this, but they're a very scary team. Yeah. They are, and Otto Porter is you know that prototypical guy that can cause problems for DeRozan. Sure. So, um, and then, you know, that Gortat Valanciunas matchup is always interesting. And, yeah, so I think that's going to be a tough game. Uh, definitely see them losing that. Um, but hopefully they come in with the right intensity right from the start and hold it down for 48 minutes. Um, because I think this, ver- this season's version of the team at, at full throttle is better than the Wizards. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Hopefully that's a win. But that's that can go either way. But I think it's gonna win. Yeah. And then on it, Sunday, it's so funny. It's so funny how we're hesitant because we know the Raptors always have these letdown games. Yeah, and, that's true. And it's almost like we're looking at these four and it's like which one is it gonna be? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it is like every week. It's weird calling a four and a week. But I mean like realistically, yeah, they should be favored in all four of these games. Yeah. Um and three of them are like locks to win. And then the last one is Charlotte. I mean like Man, Charlotte, like, they have an okay point differential, but they just don't have an okay record. They actually just smacked the Wizards, who the Hornets have had the Wizards number this year, but um, the Raptors have had the Hornets number this year. Like, yeah, we have just obliterated them. For some reason, the Raptors have shooting so, like, just every single time we play the Hornets, we're, like, lights out from three. Like, we put up 126, 129, and 123 on them, all in regulation. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't think the Hornets have anywhere near the depth to hang with the Raptors. That's true. Um, like, worst case, that's a slow kill. Um, so yeah, well, I, I definitely have that one as a W. Okay, I agree. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. On the other end, we'll take some Twitter questions. 
I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Still here, welcome back. We're taking Twitter questions. So I always hit us up at Raptors Republic. Um, there's a lot of questions. I don't know if necessarily we'll get to all of them. A lot of them about the referees and stuff. Let's just, we'll skip the question with the referees. I mean, like, what? Yeah, it's bad calls happen. And they happen a lot to the Raptors. It happens a lot to a lot of teams. It, it is what it is. Um, first one from, uh, Bapinder Kanda. Should we get a petition going for ticket pricing being so expensive? It's shit is expensive. I'll say that much. It's, it's not easy going to a Raptors game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like easily like almost a hundred dollars. Yeah, if you it, want to sit lower bowl anywhere, it's a hundred dollars for sure. Yeah, it, it is expensive. I definitely feel where Bopender is coming from. Um, at the same time, the Raptors, I think they just uh, for them it's just smart business because they know that this is a premium team that they have now and. Uh, you're looking at the t- a team with the best record in the East, and that's kind of what you're paying for. Um, you're not paying for the young guns anymore. So um, that's part of the package. And then the other thing, too, is they try to eliminate uh, as much of the black market as they can. So That's true. Yeah, so both those factors weigh in, and it's kind of what you're stuck with. Can I give a shout-out to Raptors Mamba? Look that up next time you want to buy tickets. <laughs> um Man, that's another question. There's, he, he asked three questions. There's a lot. I mean, another one from him, like, what do you think the fan base slash bandwagoners will be like in three years when Colin DeMar's contracts are over? I don't I don't really feel like there's a lot of Raptors bandwagoners. You know what I mean? Right. Like, people are interested in the team, but, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of Raptors fans. I don't – I never really thought of, like, bandwagoners happening. Usually bandwagoners are from out of town as well. Yeah. And there's nobody I mean, from out of town that likes the Raptors. Literally nobody. Like, nobody in the States likes the Raptors. They don't even know the Raptors exist. So, like, how are they going to yeah. become bandwagons in the first place? It's true. It's true. Uh, and, you know, I mean, frankly, I expect the Rosen to be a Raptor for life. Um, That's true. Regardless, regardless of whether his contract's coming up or not, I don't see a scenario in which he leaves. Um, not at this point anymore, anyway. If We're going to have the... We're gonna have the Paul. Pierce, he's gonna have the Paul Pierce career arc, where um, you know a lot of his prime is spent um, carrying teams that don't go that far in the playoffs. But then we get Giannis and Wiggins in 2022, and Demar is the third guy, and we win the championship. Mostly, right. mostly Giannis. Wiggins has been just a waste man all year. <laughs> <laughs> except oh, Wiggins! <laughs> like, except against the Raptors, and of course against the Cavs. Just yeah. when that dude is motivated, he's Tracy McGrady. Otherwise, he's Rudy Gay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there will still be excitement over the team because it will be a lot of these young kids that are in now. I mean, Jakob and, uh, you know, Jakob and Skills, that's probably the front court of the future, which I think is exciting. Very exciting. Um, yeah, so uh, I think there will be plenty to look forward to. I don't think, uh, you know, if there are... You know, whoever the bandwagon fans are, if they want to go find another team, go ahead. But I think the Raptors have a strong base of fans where it doesn't really matter. 
I agree. I agree. Raptors fans are always going to be there. The prices just will drop when they're not this good anymore. Yeah. Which, um, you know, that's you get what you pay for. It's a major city, and it's a great team. Yeah. And, they, and it's been established that they've been a really good team. So, I don't know. It's part of the it's part of the success. Plus, like, Toronto's a pretty expensive city in general. Like, you know, if you want a cheaper city to go to, like, you know, the, the Cleveland is just down the road. You have to live in Cleveland, though. Next yep, one for or Indiana. Or Indiana or Detroit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got it pretty good. Yeah, we got it pretty good. Ben Scott asks, what should OG work on in the summer? His shot. Yeah, his shot. <laughs> Just keep working on that shot, bro. Uh, I'm, I, like, I, I wouldn't mind him working on his handle a little bit more because, like, mm-hmm. it's there. He has a handle. He just like, – he has a handle that allows him to get to places. And yeah. um, if he can drive a little bit more effectively and use that explosiveness, like combined explosiveness. Because, like, right now he's sort of doing crafty drives more than he's doing athletic drives, which is weird because most rookies are just using athleticism to get to the rim. But mm-hmm. he kind of gets there through craft. Um, but, yeah, if he can work on his hand a little bit more such that he can, like, you know, attack off a closeout and get all the way to the rim, that's something he's already done, but... Just make that more effective, then yeah, I think that's pretty much it—the shooting and, and working on the handle a little bit. Yeah, because the one thing he has shown that is encouraging is his vision, right? That's something that no one really uh, saw before, right? Uh, and so he's had some nice plays where you know he's able to drive and dish or make that extra pass, and um, that's probably something that people didn't anticipate. So to your point, if he can work on his dribble and make use of that more, because I mean, the one thing that the Warriors have done um, by building such a stacked team is they've sort of redefined the value of a 3 and D player, right? You can't just be a guy that can just make shots in the corner and defend a position anymore, right? You you have to bring multiple facets to the game on offense. So, of course. Um, so if he can, if, 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 if driving is something that he can bring as well, or just ha- ball handling and pushing the ball up rebounds, uh, is something that he can add to his game. You know, you look at what uh, Pascal does uh, more often now, where he's able to just get the ball and go. Um, just little things like that can make a difference. So, um, outside of the shot, definitely agree with you. Okay, next one from Mike. Rank first round matchups in order of preference. Minor Indiana, Miami, uh, Milwaukee, Philly, and Detroit, ahead of all of them, if they make it. I think that's about right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I might go either way between Indiana and Miami because Miami can't score and Indiana can't really defend, but, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's pretty much it. I don't know about Bucks versus Philly. I might prefer to face Philly over the Bucks because I think Giannis is better than Embiid right now, but also, like... The inexperience factor? Yeah, that's true. I might put the Bucks last in that group. Like, I don't want to face the yeah. Bucks again. I think we could still yeah, beat the Bucks. It's not a, it's not necessarily that much of an issue. It's just like it's really exhausting to beat the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, Indiana and Miami; those are two teams where the Raptors would have the best players in the series. Uh, so you're not too concerned about them. Um, and then you look at uh, Milwaukee. I, I think of the lot, they probably have the best player. Um, and Embiid and Ben Simmons, you look at that combo, like, of course, they're going to be the future of the league, but I think for now, I, I'd rather deal with them than Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, Philly's also very sloppy as well. Very, very sloppy team. It's just yeah. Embiid is like a top five player when he plays. He, he really is. Like, in terms of yeah. impact, he's the top five player. Yeah, he's incredible. He's insane. Um, next one from Jimmy. What had to change, if anything, to transfer the regular season form into the playoffs? I don't know. Look, here's the thing. I think we're reaching this point where, like, we're going to go to the playoffs and, like, they're not going to be as good as they are in the regular season in the playoffs. But, like, a lot of teams aren't like that. Like, a lot of teams don't have that top-end talent to do that. And when you look at the elite guys, like, it kind of just is what it is, man. Like, as much as they can change all the pieces around, it's going to come down to a couple players. Who do you got? And I think a lot of the times when you see the Raptors struggle, it's because they don't have the best player in the series. Mm-hmm. Except forget that Miami series. That was weird. It's very weird. Very weird series. I don't know why we lost any games in that series in retrospect. Well, I mean, Dwayne Wade turned into, like, peak Dwayne Wade. Oh, we were also guarding him with Corey Joseph. It's also true. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was just a weird one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, even Milwaukee last year, right? Like, a lot of the reason was we, like, had to account for Giannis. And Giannis was going to explode for a couple of those games. You know, so it happened, but you know, ultimately we still won in six games. So it's, I don't think any, that's un, that unreasonable. They were, we probably expected them to win in five. You know what? Uh, to me, I think it was just you know, a lot of it was just a matchup thing. I mean, the Raptors, you know, the, the, starting out with JV and Ibaka, it d- just didn't work against you know a team that was playing with four small guys and Thon Maker. And yeah. you know, you look at from the time Powell was in the starting lineup, the Raptors. Basically, won three zero. Yeah, they took three straight at that point. So, I think it was just it was just a matchup thing. Once they figured that out, the series is over. Yeah. Next one from Back to Work, uh, aka Raptors fan one two three seven. With all the Weed and North promotion and Raptors pushing can this team coast to coast branding, would you like to see another Canadian franchise in expansion? The answer is yes, of course. Vancouver deserves a team. Has all the infrastructure you need. A lot of rich people in Vancouver, uh, especially people that like basketball. Um, having more West Coast basketball is always nice. Um, bring back Seattle as well. Like you know, that's that's the thing. We bring in two new teams, Seattle and Vancouver. We revive the Northwest um, in terms of not just having Portland and nothing else because it's clearly a very um, it's a hotbed of basketball in, in Seattle, especially. Mm-hmm. And then you realign the the conferences. You put Memphis over on this side. Um, and Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, because it doesn't really make sense that Minnesota is in the Western Conference. Yeah, it's, it's not that. It's like a what an hour and a half flight <laughs> from Toronto, like <laughs> Minneapolis. Like, come on. So, yeah, there you go. That's that's the solution. Uh, would you Would you like to see a team in Montreal? Would I like? I, I'm, I'm in favor of as many teams in Canada as possible. So as long as it seems feasible, I, I mean, obviously yeah, that's what I mean. It's feasible, right? Like you have to have yeah. a, a place that you know can sustain that. Yeah, exactly. Montreal's um, pretty sick. I like Montreal. Yeah, it's just like I don't know if players want to be like that All Star Weekend in Toronto that everyone complained about the weather, even though otherwise it was awesome. Right. Um, that weather is like Montreal all the time in the winter. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an extremely fair point. Yeah, you're only gonna have like uh, you're only gonna have like Andre Karolinko's and um, what's that guy's name? The, the, the big guy that used to, oh, uh, Rick no, the guy oh. that used to play in Minnesota. 
Minnesota? Oh, Pekovic. Pekovic, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be all those dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, more teams um, in Canada. Yeah. Um, what's more enjoyable, a tax refund or a three pointer by JV? Uh, that's from Marco. It really depends on how much you're, how much taxes you're paying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the three pointers by JV are nice, but I like my money, so. Yeah. They're both money, though. They're both money. <laughs> um, Prabjot asks, how important do you think it was for JB to make a clutch play at the end of the game in terms of his confidence and the confidence of Kyle Lamar and JB at the end of the games? <laughs> oh, man. I don't think it's going to change much. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change much, but I think it does speak to JV's confidence in that situation where I think maybe last year... Uh, or you know any year before this, he's probably just holding on to the ball and waiting, mm-hmm. as opposed to making a decision himself. Right. Um, so, so I think the confidence that they've shown in him um, in non-clutch uh, scenarios throughout the year, I think, rubbed off in that moment. Um, so hopefully, if there's a moment like that again, he's able to make that type of decision again. Yeah, be great. It was great. You know what was important for the hive. The hive is going to be every time the Raptors make miss a clutch shot going forward, people are going to come back to this JV thing and like say, "Should have given it to JV." <laughs> that's I'm serious. That's how it's going to happen. All right, I just mark my words. The next time DeRozan misses a jumper and we lose to I don't know uh, Cleveland, they're going we're going to be talking about JV if he's on the floor. Uh, and if he's not on the floor, we'll talk about JV regardless. Um, last one from Darren. Do you think we'll see Siakam at the five? Okay, first off, can people just spell Siakam correctly? It's like phonetic that it's it S-I-A-K-A-M, not S-I-A-K-I-M. Like, yeah. it's phonetic, Siakam. It's annoying. Like, are people saying Siakim? Because, like, who says Siakim? Anyway, I just I just see it misspelled all the time. Like, you'll put some respect on this guy. Like, you watch the team. I don't understand how Raptors fans could ever misspell someone's name. Like... Maybe Purtle, because, like, it's weird, like, in terms of the O and the E together, and then the L and the T and the L, but, like, realistically, if you're watching this team all the time, you should know Siakam has two A's and not two I's. But anyway, um, do you People ever also see- spell out Van Fleet as, like, Van Fleet. All the time. Which I don't, I don't get it. You say that's it all how, the time. That's how people say it on TV, though. It, I, I don't get why people say it that way on TV. Well, I think- Like, Fred Van Fleet. I think Van Fleet is just, like, a more common last name than Van Vliet. But, like, right. you, you see it, FVV, all the time. What do you think that second yeah. V is? <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, anyway, Darren's question is, do you think we will ever see Siakam at the five, if not this year, then in the future? It seems like he could be a nice fit for the Draymond-type role with the switching and shooting around him. Um, I think you'd need another... Elite four or three in the team too. I think I think that's something that probably goes unnoticed with Golden State, right? Part of why they can do that is because uh, they've got you know KD and Iguodala and Clay. It becomes a lot easier when you've got those other positions filled. I don't think the Raptors have uh, the other positions to actually do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, I think it just takes a toll on the body, man. Like if you look at where Siakam is built and how um, Draymond is built. Draymond is like a like a barrel body, like his the yeah. he's got a thick chest, whereas Siakam is like as skinny as it comes, really. So, I think Siakam is a perfect fit at four, to be honest, because um, 
you know, if you're the five, you're counting on to rebound as much. Like, let's say Siakam was the guy that was that needed to grab every defensive rebound, then you'll mm-hmm. never see him leak out, right? Like, yeah. you're you're taking away parts of his game if he's asked to play the five. And plus, like, if you don't have the bigger body, you can be worn down a lot um, physically. Um, so, I think Siakam at four is is, is perfect. I think he's more like closer to what the the modern four is going to be in terms of what um, demands will come out of the the power four position. Someone that can guard a lot of players, um, you know, can f- attack as a wing, um, but also spot some minutes at five if there's a mismatch. But he's not like the modern five. I think like fives are making a comeback too. By the way, like there's a lot of good fives in the league. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but what do you, what do you make of uh, all these? You know, guys like Cousins and Kristaps getting injured and Beads, obviously, you know, someone that's always got that, you never know when the next injury is coming. Um, so, Tom Habistro wrote a piece about, you know, the Sorry, pace that's, that's, so fast. Dr. Habistro, actually. My bad, Dr. Yeah, Do- Dr. Habistro. <laughs> yeah, medical degree from talking to many doctors. <laughs> yeah. So, he wrote that piece about, you know, all these fives having to, you know, be able to defend on the perimeter and be able to run the floor now and yeah. get up get up and down the court at such a fast pace now. Do you think that's impacting their health? Um, yeah, I think so, for sure. I think that's a good point. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like, yes, there is a lot more. The game has changed a lot more. And in terms of what a big has to do defensively, it's a lot uh, more strenuous than before, So, which is why I think modern bigs should be playing about 28 to 30 minutes if you're a starter. Because right. it just otherwise it's just it's too taxing, um, especially okay. if you got like the bigger guys. Like if you were talking about a big like Draymond, he's like not as big really. You know he's like six six, right? Like that's it's not really a big dude. But yeah, um, if you look at a guy like Embiid who's seven three, it's a totally different scenario altogether. So um, yeah, I think those guys got to play less. But also like if you're asking a big to do that much on offense and also asking them to do that much on defense, then yeah, naturally like. Bigs are going to wear gonna down in that stall. scenario. Right, because like, if you have a wing that's high usage on offense, it's not as impactful because like defensively, they're not going to be high usage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, even if you have a Kawhi type, like Kawhi is not challenging every shot that, that a big is supposed to, right? Right. Because whether it's, you know, stepping up with a pick and roll or, you know, rotating a, a, a against the basket, like, you know, you're just not going to be doing as much as a wing uh, as you would as a big. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. You probably have to reduce minutes for bigs. Is what, is what I'm saying. That's why the Raptors have a nice thing, right? Like JV plays like 22 minutes, uh, Ibaka plays like 26, Siaka plays 20, Pirtle plays 18. Like that's kind of more the ideal mix. And you see the Raptors' bigs have been, you know, remarkably healthy this year. You know, knock on wood and everything, but the most time anyone's missed is Ibaka from suspension. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, that's the podcast. Like, where can people find you? Find me right here, Raptors Republic, North Bowl Hoops, Mississauga, uh, Mississauga Sportsnet, Ball Breakdown. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on the uh, Raptors Lockdown podcast too. So. Okay, shots to Sean Woodley. Yeah, shots to Sean Woodley. Give me those touches. Yo. Uh, yeah, trying to be wherever I can, whenever I can. Ubiquitous, really. Yeah. Occasionally on the radio. <laughs> No, I haven't. I haven't got the uh, what? Radio, radio oh call man! Yet. Oh man! All right. Yeah, we gotta. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta put in a good word. 
<laughs> Gotta put in a good word. Alright. Yeah. Um as always you can find the podcast on Raptors in Public. Um and well, we'll be back next week. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.